Tab Sports episode four. <coughs> Ryan's solo today. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday on the eve, or I guess the day of what, what Pat Durant, who is the first guest of Tab Sports, is calling D Day. Uh, Pat is a, a second year in our program and a big Habs fan. And Pat, you were at the game last night, 5 uh, 2 loss to the cellar dwellers, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, what in God's name is going on in Montreal? It's It's been a rough, rough seven weeks for sure. First of all, uh, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Happy to be making uh, my debut here on, on the podcast. And glad we can get some hockey involved. I know it's been basketball-centric, so I'm glad to see see where we're breaking out and, and we're trying new things out of our comfort zone, apparently. Basketball-centric <laughs> uh, in three episodes, yes. Um, no, it's, it's, it's been tough. Uh, it's 5-17-1 in, in our last... 23 games obviously we had the the 9-0 start and then we uh, began preparing the parade route there in downtown Montreal and now we're not sure if we're buyers sellers or, or where we really stand heading into the all-star break and then heading into the trade deadline um, here at the end of February so a very unique position right now I think the Montreal Canadiens are in so you uh I've said it you coined this as D-Day so it's mm-hmm. a home and home with Columbus last place in the east correct that's right. Uh, Montreal currently is 10th in the East. Three points back of New Jersey? Three points back. I believe New Jersey also has a game in hand, though they might be they might be all squared away. But, yeah, three, three to five points back of a playoff spot, five points behind Boston in the Atlantic, and then, yes, three points behind New Jersey for the last wild card spot. But it's pretty congested there right now. So the whole point is of this, this losing streak or losing oh not streak because you guys have won you had a big win against Toronto mm-hmm. on Saturday but I guess the the whole impetus of this losing uh, kind of last couple of months has been yeah. Carey Price is it totally not having him in there or because the offense hasn't really scored no no and I, I think <clears throat> I just saw actually I think the last 30 days the Canadians are last in save percentage across the NHL. I think it's uh, 88% and change there. So, you know, Mike Condon's played well. And Ben Scrivens, I think he's only had three starts, and he's looked okay as well. Dustin Tokarski uh, played a handful of games before he was actually traded um, out to Anaheim. It's not all goaltending. Um, and if you look at a lot of the a lot of the games the Habs actually have lost, you know, they're outshot last night, for an example. I mean, they outshot Columbus 35-24. And and still lost by three goals. So it's been interesting. I think it's been a mix of maybe average goaltending, um, not being able to, to really put the puck in the net despite generating offense and generating chances. And then I think, honestly, just puck luck. Um, yeah. And I think that's why, if and I keep saying this after every loss, I think that's why last night was maybe the new low because you look at the goals they scored the first one <laughs> deflected off of four guys and I think someone's braces and went into the net the second one PK Subban scored from you know Planet X so you outshot the Blue Jackets by 11 on the road and you had the puck luck on your side and yeah. then you still lose five to two so it's been a it's been a smorgasbord I guess of different things that have led to this this stretch uh Sportsnet Canada has an article that came this morning that said faltering Canadians can't shake losing identity. 
17th loss in 22 games, that's what it uh, mentioned. Mm-hmm. But it also, and I, it mentions that, and you mentioned the uh, puck luck as well, fourth best Corsi score <coughs> percentage in the NHL. You've outshot your opponents 17 times and lost. What, like, I guess for, for, for me, looking from the outside, so tonight is a big night mm. against Columbus. Mm-hmm. If you guys beat Columbus tonight, what, how is, how is this kind of the, the teeter? Yeah, yeah, and I, for me, I looked even one, one game beyond the home and home against the Blue Jackets. I looked, you know, the Habs have lost, had lost five straight, and then you look. Two to the Hawks. Right? Two to the Hawks, correct. They played them well in Montreal, got blown out in Chicago. Yeah. Um, three games, three games heading into the All-Star break, you have on the road in Toronto, and then a home-home with the Blue Jackets. You look at those teams, your superior hockey team to both the Maple Leafs and the Blue Jackets. I said, let's get four out of six points heading into the break. So you beat Toronto. Very nerve-wracking shootout game up there. It's always a good game no matter where they are in the standings, Habs and Leafs. And then you play well last night and you lose, and you got to come right back 24, 24 hours later. Thank God it's in your barn up in Montreal. And to me, if... After everything that you've gone through for seven weeks, if you only get two out of six points versus four out of six points against the Leafs and the Blue Jackets heading into the break, I think that that really taking five days off after a loss really hurts the psyche of this team even more. I think it puts a different perspective on GM Mark Bergevin on what his mindset is. Again, being in a unique position, buyer, seller, what truly do I have with this bunch? So um, I think that a lot of different factors are in play with this being the last game heading into the break. If they win, what do you think Bergman does? For do you think he does anything at the deadline? I I, I do. Where does he do it? I do. So, you know, you've already come out and you're Mark Bergman, and when you're in a stretch like this, no matter what sport you're in, when you're the GM, there's always two things at play. It's either trade to shake things up, or fire the coach. So you go out four days ago and you say, Michelle Terrien and this coaching staff, we're with them until the end of the season, they're not going anywhere. Okay, that's fine. You go out and you say, you know, this this is on me. So basically what Bergevin has done is, is he's basically admitted my next move in this stretch is to make a deal and to shake things up. But we're not <clears throat> we're not in the standings right now where, where the Panthers are, where the Capitals are. We need to make a move that does three things, and this is what's difficult. You need to make a move that, A, shakes things up, B, doesn't hurt the current lineup too much, puts you still in a position to compete for a playoff spot, and three, doesn't damage you know, the Habs long-term or helps them long-term. So if I had to pick a player, and I, and I hate it when people just throw out names and play armchair GM, but I will with one player, I think if there, there is a fit to make a move, I think it's for Ryan Nugent Hopkins out of Edmonton. I would ship Tomas Placanic. Nathan Beaulieu, because God knows the Oilers need defense. Zachary Fucali, who is a top goalie prospect, and God knows they need goaltending. And if, if a draft pick needs to go in there, then throw it in there for R&H. So if you look at Nugent Hopkins compared to Blacanic, I don't think it hurts your team really at all. It might even improve your team currently as it stands, though Thomas Blacanic is a great player, very underrated. It helps your team build down the middle with Nugent Hopkins and Galchenyuk moving forward as your number one and number two centers. It shakes things up. It lets you compete now. It helps you long-term. 
I don't want I don't want Eric Stahl. I don't want to go after after a rental guy. You know, I don't want to go after an Andrew Ladd. I don't want to go after a Dustin Bufflin. Um, Jonathan Juin, his name's out there. I think he can help long term as well. So you need to <clears throat> you need to target younger players that teams are listening to calls for, and you need to it's both a win now and help me long term type move. So we'll move from have centric to it's, it's depressing. Yeah, let's get off it. It is. It's Mm. Our listeners, mm. whoever else is listening, they don't want you back. I know, I know. So league, uh, the league is continuing to grow in popularity. Um, Bushi and Sports Center have done a great job in covering the league with Barry uh, Melrose. Um, NBC Sports has done a great job in, in increasing it in the United <coughs> States. Where do you see with the All Star break coming up this week? What are some major storylines that you see going into? Um, the second half of the season and before the February 29th uh, training deadline? Well, I think a hot topic right now is the Florida Panthers. Are they for real out in the East? Obviously, Washington has played uh, really well. Luongo. Uh, Luongo. And, and you talk about advanced stats. Florida, um, the NHL, so there's Corsi, there's Fenric, there's a lot of different out there. The, the official NHL stat um, is shot attempts percentage, and it's basically how many shot attempts you have versus the other team, and you talk about the Habs, actually, who are sixth, Florida is 24th in the league. Um, they only average 47% of the total shot attempts each game. So every night, on average, they're getting outshot, outchanced by 3%, yet they're first place in the Atlantic. So I think a key there is do they, do they keep up um, this this heck of a run by Florida into the second half. Do they make the playoffs? And they remind me <clears throat> a lot of the Toronto Maple Leafs three years back when, when they made the playoffs and got um, ousted by the Bruins in the first round there in Game 7 where their advanced stats, their, the way that they were controlling the play, there were, were skeptics throughout the year. You're stabbing Toronto's hard, by the way. I know I am. I know I am. Oh, well. I also plug Boston, so there's a lot of different variables at play there. So uh, can, they, can they sustain this success when the advanced stats and the metrics don't, don't look to be in their favor? Do you think, in your humble opinion, with being outshot by 3%, the puck luck, the, <clears throat> I mean, Florida has, has perennially been a pretty, pretty bad team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When they made the playoffs, it's always a seven or eight. They're a playoff cusp team, or they're they're out. Yeah. But they also have Dale Town. They're the Blackhawks of the South. They are. And not to bring it back to the West leading Chicago Blackhawks, but do you see Florida making the playoffs this year? Holding on. I do, I do, because I think that the Atlantic Division as a whole. Um, is very very average. I don't I don't think there's a, there's a team in there that really stands out. I mean, could could Boston go on a run? I don't know if that roster is strong enough. Detroit, eh. Ottawa, Montreal. You, you really don't know. I think it's it's a mixed bag every night with a lot of those teams. Um, and so I think just you know the points they have ahead of every single you know every other team in that division are very valuable. The other thing is they have over sixteen million dollars in cap space. And, and not to mention, looking beyond this year, that's $16 million of cap space. And then Brian Campbell, who I believe is over $7 million on the cap, is off the books. And they just, they just extended Barkov, who I don't think he's Anzi Kopitar. I don't think he 
he's he's not going to win a Selkie Trophy in terms of being a defensive forward, you know, in two or three years. But he's going to get there, and he's going to contribute offensively. And they signed him long term for five and a half, five point nine on the cap, which is a phenomenal deal. So I think Florida is going to have the financial flexibility to both make a move at the deadline and then set themselves, you know, apart from the rest of the Atlantic. I think heading into the offseason, I think they're in a great spot, and it's. It's very ironic because if you would have said, well, who's in the best position in the Atlantic, you're going same, you're going in-state, you're going Tampa Bay heading yeah. into this year, but they Florida Panthers. Played, they haven't played together. Right. They played they play great against. They played great this weekend. Both. The well, they're hot. They're coming, they're coming along, too. They're coming along, too. I think they're 8-2 in their eight last 10. Yeah. Uh, they're, right, they're right there. Uh, Boston's playing better. That power play is on fire in Boston. So... It's interesting. And Washington, you know, sticking in the East, 73 points, far and away the best team um, in the East thus far. The differential plus 55. Holy. Yeah, I, They're taking it to people. For those I don't know, I had an opportunity to work with the Bengals this year. And when when they were 7, 8, no, whatever they were in mid-late October, the fans were still skeptical. They didn't feel truly feel like they were 7 or 8, no. They didn't feel like... They really believe that this team was one of the best in the NFL. And for me, I think the Washington Capitals are the Bengals of the NHL. You've had Alex Ovechkin there. You've never made an Eastern Conference final. You, you, yes, you've won some playoff series. Yes, you've had some minimal playoff success. But whether it be Boudreaux or Oates or whoever was there, you've never really made that run. So you're saying Ovechkin is the Andy Dalton? No, no, I think I, I won't. I won't say that about Alexander Ovechkin. But we like hot takes. Hot takes get us views. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. I think that there's skepticism in Boston or in in Washington right now, and I think that you know if this is the year, like I said, if no one's sticking out in the East and Washington's playing this well, if they don't make the Cup Finals this year, it's going to be chaos in Washington. It's going to be chaos in Washington. So we'll see. We'll see. Let's quickly jump to the West. Um, a good top, I mean, good top three, all from the Central Division. Hawks, Stars, St. Louis. Uh, that was a uh, text from Nick Smith. Apologies <laughs> for that. Um, Dallas has really been the story of the West, correct? I mean, they, they have... They got the rebrand. They got mm. the players. They got had a hell of a start. Um, do you see them? I mean, they've kind of faltered in the last ten. Uh, got overtaken by the Hawks and the the conference standings and the division standings. But still, I mean, um, what's kind of changed for them this year? Well, you look at you look at their firepower. You had the move with Sharp, so you have Sharp. You have you have Ben. You have Sagan. You have Kling Klingberg in the back. Um, they're exciting to watch. They score, they score a ton of goals, uh, 162, so 15 more than the Hawks. The problem is, is you always look in the common phrase in hockey is, are you built for the playoffs? You know, playoff hockey come mid, mid April, May, <clears throat> early June, you know, it's about goaltending. It's about being physical and about being able to wear a team down. Um, throughout a seven-game series, and you look at the teams in the West, you have Chicago, who has increasingly gotten more physical, because I think that was that was uh, something they needed to address. Yeah, Country Club Q, no more. No more, no more Country Club Q. You have the Blues, very physical team. Minnesota is as well, and then LA. LA. That's been that's been their mantra. So I worry about Dallas 
come come the spring, I don't. You're not going to win playoff games five to four or six to five. Um, that you know, playoff games are one two to one, one nothing, three to two. So can can they find? Can they add some size? Do they have the flexibility to add some size? I don't know what their cap situation is. You know, how do they really brand themselves as a playoff hockey team? Because not only are they not physical, but have they been there? You know, Chicago, St. Louis, who loses every year in, in round one. They're like the Western Conference version of the Capitals. L.A. obviously has. So you're playing against some very playoff season teams and some physical teams. So I worry about them when it matters this spring. All right, so look into your crystal ball. February 29th, I want one big buyer. Who will be the biggest buyer and who will be the biggest seller? February 29th, trade the line. Well, I, starting with the seller, because I, I, I think that it's much easier, is, is Columbus. Um, no one really foresaw this season playing out the way it has for the Blue Jackets, and I think that there are some pieces there um, that are, that do have some value. You saw Cam Atkinson, who had a hat trick last night. He's got 18 goals. Boone Jenner, I believe, has goal, I think, 16 or 17. He's in the high teens. I don't think you're going to get Brandon Saad out of there, um, but I think Atkinson, I think Jenner, um, I think even a guy like Jack Johnson maybe might, might be shipped out of there. So I think Columbus has some pieces. Um, obviously, you, you always look at Edmonton. You know, does Eberle go? They're, sh- they're shopping Nugent Hopkins that I mentioned. Do they trade a forward um, for, for maybe some defensive or goaltender prospects as well as they look towards the future? So Columbus, Edmonton uh, would be, for me, the, the true sellers. And the buyers, it's tough. Um, I, I, again, I look at Florida. I look at them as a fit for someone like Eric Stahl. Uh, to be that second-line center or even that first-line center, to, depending on what they want to do with Barkov down the middle. I think that would help them, and they have the, the flexibility to take his cap on. Um, and Dallas, does Dallas add someone on the back end? Does Dallas you know, go after a guy like Dustin Bufflin, Kevin Shattenkirk out of St. Louis, if, if the Blues are in contention, but Shattenkirk's name um, is out there. So... Um, Dallas adding someone on the back end. Florida adding, I think, another forward as well. But there's there's a lot of interesting names names in play. You know, does Stephen Stamkos? So if you're if you're if you're Tampa Bay, and you fall out of it, and things things get iffy, are you are you really willing to risk? If you're even fifty percent sure that he's going to resign, are you really willing to risk just losing Stephen Stamkos for nothing? Yeah. And the flip side, what are you willing to give up for Steven Stamkos if you're a St. Louis and you know come July you don't have a shot at re-signing him? What's his value? So I think, I think it's going to be a lot of interesting, a lot of really unique, you know, intriguing names out there. I don't know if we'll see a trade bigger than what we've already seen with Ryan Johansson for Seth Jones. I mean, that is a blockbuster. But if Stamkos is in play, if Eric Stahl's in play, it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. In the East right now. Gun to your head. Who makes Stanley Cup New York Rangers. West. Blackhawks. Mm. That, that's NBC's dream. That is NBC's that's dream. That's NBC's they dream. Wanted that, uh, they wanted that last year. Yeah. Yeah, I think Florida, I think their advanced stats will catch up to them. I don't think that they're quite built um, in the playoffs, and I don't really see anyone in the Atlantic. Maybe Boston, but I just don't see it. And for me, it, it, it comes down to if I, if I got to pick Braden Holpe, 
versus Henrik Lundqvist in the playoffs. I'm going to go with Lundqvist. I'm going to go with the Rangers out of the East. And then Chicago. I think they continue to to be the Blues demon in the playoffs. I don't think Dallas is built like I touched on. So The Blues demon. They are. Mm. They are. That's a little foreshadowing from our, uh, the podcast later tonight. <laughs> They are the Blues demon, and so I think Chicago and L.A., if I had to pick a Western Conference final with Chicago uh, avenging that loss two years ago, I think it was our first weekend here in Athens. It was. Game seven at the UC, so Chicago will get revenge for that. So Chicago and New York, I can't give you a pick right now. I don't know. I'm I'm not asking. Um, Am I dumb to, if I was a betting man, which I'm not. Of course. If I was a betting man, would I be dumb to put... A lot of money on Patrick Kane winning the heart. If Roberto Luongo keeps playing the way he is, then I don't know. I don't know. Which put odds at? Odds for Luongo or odds for Kane? I'd put Kane at 3-1, uh, to one, Luongo at 5-1. to one. Hmm. If Florida wins that division and Luongo keeps playing the way he has, so you have the classic, it's like pitchers in baseball, right? Yeah. Cy Young versus MVP. You have Holtby playing out of his mind for Washington. Does he get the Does he get the Vesna, and then Luongo is much more valuable to the Florida Panthers, who are getting outshot every night. Does he get the heart? So the trophy tracker I'm looking at, ESPN has a trophy tracker. Okay. Really skewed to the Blackhawks. Kane gets the heart. Panarin gets the Calder. Mm. Book that. Book that, especially with McDavid hurt. Unless and he goes on Crawford a run. Crawford gets the Vesna. Mm. Mm. But we'll see. Patty. Uh, this is great. This is Been a great. pleasure. Hope we can do this again. A fun start. Uh, we'll bring Josh Shire in, uh, into... We'll get some more analytics uh, into it. Yeah, Josh is a very analytical mind. Um, stay tuned. Uh, we will have another podcast coming up sometime in the next couple of days on college basketball. We'll bring in Zabo. And uh, who knows what else we'll have in store. But uh, as always, thanks for listening. Let us know any feedback and we're still trying to get music also soundcloud is about to run out of available free space for us to have this podcast so if you have money uh you can send it to us or any ideas on how to do this otherwise thanks for listening